The first use case you think about blockchain is payments, right? So that's the first thing you want to you want to do is show that you can secure a payment mechanism, just like Visa, Mastercard, but much more secure without middlemen, take away the fees, uh, offers economies of scale. So the more people use it, the cheaper it gets. The, the way we view the future of value in the long term, three to five to ten years, we view layer one blockchains will essentially become like the new republics. These will be the new mechanisms where all the value is going to proliferate to the future. There'll be the layer one blockchain, there'll be the mining market, there'll be the dApps, and there'll be tokens. So the lower you get in the stack, the uh, lower risk you have, but the lower rewards. The highest risk reward will be on the layer one blockchain, because that's where all the value will, 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 will flow up. But it's highest value, highest risk. We view layer one blockchains, which is Bitcoin, Syscoin, Ethereum, as court systems. They need to be combative to the external forces that we don't control, even in the software world, in the real world, like inflation, hyperinflation, wars. These systems need to be secure from that. And this is why we view Bitcoin as the gold standard for security and decentralization. What else does the world need? You know, what else does the world cherish when you have something like Bitcoin? How can we extend that to something else where we can take advantage to build real-world utility? This is where Ethereum comes in. For me, Ethereum is a gold standard for flexibility or general computation. We're trying to stick to the gold standards. We know the world's going to cherish and develop on, and we put those two concepts together. And this is what Syscoin is. Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who have been here before, welcome back. And for those of you who's your first time viewing, I am that Hotep Jesus dude. It's great to be here. Have a wonderful guest. See you on the screen today. Chingo Bling. What do you do? Marco, Marco, Marco. Down under Marco. Chingo Bling, the king, Vaquero, Vaquero, El Rey de Four Play, the Masa Messiah. It's going down, the Versace Mariachi. Man, this is way overdue, bro. <laughs> Yo, it's good to have you on the platform. We've been following each other for a little minute now. And um, I, uh, yeah, I, um, <laughs> sorry, I just got a, a, a text message just now that is like really like just pissed me off. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, let me hold together. So, yeah, um, we've been following each other for a really long time. This is a dope interview I've lined up. It's going to be a very intense interview, and we're going to hop right into the nitty-gritty. We're just going to jump right into the mud. Immigration. Immigration's a huge topic. I watched your interview with uh, American Cholo, and uh, he reminded me a lot of conversations I often have with my people. Um, and it was a very frustrating interview to watch. Uh, you guys are talking about immigration and um we're talking about immigration, you know, both legal and illegal. Uh, it's a very nuanced conversation. It's not as simple as left or right. It's not as simple as um, good or bad. Um, and uh, I, I thought that the interview was uh, quite unfair. Uh, and um, he wasn't trying to hear you out, right? He, he was just like forcing um, his opinions down your throat. You may disagree or agree with that. But... Um, that's what I find with a lot of people is they don't really want to hear your side. They don't really want to try to understand what you're saying. They want to bring you over to their side. 
But you made this uh, interesting comment. You said um, something and correct me how, you know, in the, in the proper way you said it. But um, you said uh, if black people, something about black people, you know, should not support it. What did you say? You know, did, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, the part you're talking about is when I said, um, you know, the Democrats, they offer black folk like, hey, we're going to help you out. Make sure you're good economically. You know, make sure your wages go up or, or we're, we're looking at the employment. So, you know, on one side of the coin, there's that offer. And then they turn around, and tell Latinos out the other side of their mouth, like, oh, yeah, DACA, you know, come on, come on. If you asylum seeker, if you, you know, refugee, whatever, whatever, whatever. And it's like, how do those two things it's almost like, how do you have an open border and increase wages for the black community? So I was like, somebody's going to get screwed, basically. So I was just kind of pointing out how a lot of times they just say stuff that sounds good. But if you look at the long term economics or or even the border issue, I think I guess let me contextualize the uh, Gil from American Cholo. Uh, you know, we're cool. But the way we first the way we first interacted was when I hit the Instagram streets and uh, was basically saying like, yo, four more years, bro. Like, look, this might not, this might trigger y'all. It's gonna sound weird coming for me because I was like, Mr. They Can't Deport Us All. I had a Netflix special called that. I had an album with that same title. I'm a first generation son of immigrants. And we always had that burden, like that identity politics where it's like, they got us right where they want us. That's like our, our trauma where it's like, yeah, no matter what, bro, I don't wanna hear it. Don't talk to me about you know, human trafficking or economics or, or or a sovereignty or border security, national security. I wasn't trying to hear it. I was one of those people. So when I came out saying, like, yo, this Biden guy, man, like I was trying to like kind of bird feed people like, hey, man, you, y'all, this Biden guy, are y'all just mad at Trump or how many of these crises are just media created? And I was trying to kind of warn people, you know, and, uh, you know, Gil, he took major offense and we just kind of went at it in the comments right so that's kind of how we first met so we kind of squashed it and he's like and i was like hey i'll go on your show and that's probably the uh the interaction you saw but but his whole thing was bro you a hypocrite you know you want to be white you know you a coconut you brown on the outside or how could you go from being this persona mr like you pro brown no matter what and then you just did a 180 on us and all of a sudden you over here, you know, trying to build a wall or something. <laughs> yeah. I but what I'll, yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, what I always tell people is like, this isn't your grandfather's border. You know, like it's new players, it's new players involved. You know, fentanyl didn't exist, I don't think, 20, 30 years ago, the way it's crossing over. Mm -hmm. Keep going. Uh, uh, the human trafficking, I mean, I'm from Houston, Texas, like human trafficking capital. You know, our crime, you know, the way the border is, it's going to cause more crime. So, you know, Houston's crime is like, I, I heard we're passing up Chicago. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's not the same. Back in the day, people would just cross and it was nothing. You overstay your visa or just say you're going to see an Astros game. Like, it was no big deal. People would just come to work and it was, it was porous. You know, I don't want to say it wasn't a big deal, but contrasted with, you know, this form of the border where it's like, how many people? Wait, how many gotaways? And I'm reading this book by um Todd Benzman. It's called America's Covert Border War. And it basically the premise of it 
is basically saying we have a ticking time bomb. Like you do have jihadists coming through and, you know, the media tries to shy away from that. And uh, the author, he kind of points out to what went on in Europe when uh, Angela Merkel and, you know, like 2015, I think when they had, they were like trying to be woke yeah. saying, we'll, we'll take all everybody, Syrians, whoever, all the countries come on in. And, you know, the EU or the certain countries were bearing the brunt of it. So he he kind of uses that as proof in the pudding. He's like, man, look at all these beheadings and look at the dudes that try to get on the train in Paris. And you see in these grooming gangs and these they going around raping people and, you know, mm-hmm. so spike. So, yeah. yeah. Clash of cultures. Absolutely. All of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're not bringing their best, as Trump would say. <laughs> they're not sending their best. <laughs> um, which, which sort of lends to what you were saying about, you know, American Cholo. Um, he was a victim of, of fake news. In regards to the comments that Trump made, you know, you tried to say, yo, I think he was just talking about the gangs and the cartels. Yeah. Um, and he, and he tried to say uh, Trump was conflating that with all Mexicans. Yeah, I never got that message that he was talking about all Mexicans. Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, I kind of fell for that one too because I wasn't up on game with like the hoaxes and the way the media, like how dirty they were playing and how how um maybe clipping shit. Yeah. Editing. So. Yeah, so so Mexicans, we just heard like we just caught wind of like, oh, it's yeah, what what he called us rapists, you know, like all of us, and we never see the whole thing without with the context, and you know they just obviously you know Trump running, you know he ran his mouth, he said a bunch of wild stuff, right? He had to be an imperfect instrument and come in and disrupt things and be polarizing and be chaotic, so you know that made it easier for them to be like, oh, he said find people both sides, he said drink bleach. You know, he said this, he, he said that. So I kind of fell for it, but little by little, man, I just started, like, peeping game, like, wait a minute. And, uh, you know, I wanted to be transparent. You know, I voted for cheap gas and was honest about it. <laughs> hey, but you know what, though? Hey, a lot of people coming around, and a lot of people do have an open mind. I literally just, dr- I, like, flew in, you know, just drove in. I say flew because, like, by the seat of my pants. Uh, we did a whole weekend of comedy shows in San Antonio, six shows. Uh, most of them were sold out. And uh, even last night, Sunday, it was packed. And uh, a lot of people were like, yo, man, I like what you're talking about. And, you know, we don't have to agree about everything, but I, I kind of see where you're coming from. And, you know, I have a podcast called Red Pill Tamales where, you know, we drop about three episodes a week. And we just chime in on all the current, you know, economic and political stuff that's going on. But, uh but yeah, thankfully, bro, like it hasn't, it hasn't really like not everybody turned their back on me. You just lose a little percentage of people that are like super close minded. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I I um can relate to you wholly about um you know people thinking you did some switch because um I had a switch, um <clears throat> you know uh, except it wasn't too much of a switch. It was just more like my audience didn't understand what was going on. So. 
before Trump became um, before Trump even ran, I was very critical of Black Lives Matter. I said, yo, this is a front organization. This is no good for the black community. Look at their website. They're eliminating men. This is for um, rainbow people, et cetera, et cetera. And everybody was like, oh, you're just hating. You're just hating. You're just hating. And I'm like, nah, I know. I know. I know. I know when I'm being fooled. I know a ruse when I see one. And then uh, Trump came around and um, I remember there was a, a website called The Root. It's connected to Huffington Post now. And The Root in the early days published an article, I want to say it was 2011, it was about how immigration hurts the black community. Well, after Huffington Post got a hold of it, they started publishing articles like black men are the white people of black people. And then um, <laughs> I became... Oh. <laughs> yeah, I became an enemy to my people um, and I sort of washed my hands with the whole notion of being pro-black because, you know, as I got older and wiser, I understood that, um, you know, identity politics is actually foolish. It's setting us back. It's setting the world back, it's setting the consciousness back, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I was a Trump guy from the very beginning, mostly because I was hypercritical of Hillary before she even decided to run because I knew um, her stance on immigration as it related to black folks. I knew how she felt about or, or her dealings in Haiti, et cetera, et cetera. How do you deal with going from somebody who is all about their people to now your pe you know, you, you have elevated yourself intellectually and now you, your people think you can't even relate to them. How do you deal with that? And, and what is that like? Yeah. What I try to explain is, you know, this Biden inflation and this Bidenomics is bad for my people. You know, and 2019 was good for my people, my people's wallet. You know, economics is everything, you know, the power of money. And uh, I mean, economics alone, man, if anybody still thinks like we're on the right track or or that this old man needs another four years or I don't know who they're going to roll out. Newsom, Hillary going to try to run again. And. I always pick on Latino Hollywood, especially on my Twitter feed, coming in spicy. Make sure y'all follow me. Uh, I, I always call out Latino Hollywood. I'm a, every time there's a debacle, every time Joe saying something wild, I'm always like, well, you know, Latino Hollywood, we can't listen to them no more how to vote because they had their pom-poms out. Boy, they were just, I'm talking about, I mean, y'all. I don't even have to say names. Y'all know they were out there in full force. Man, this is what we got to do. This is for our democracy. And, you know, I get it. Maybe they didn't know no better. But chances are they were getting paid and now they real quiet. You know, I don't see nobody over there crying over the, um, you know, 266,000 unaccompanied minors and how many of them kids they done lost and ended up God knows where. You know, they're not crying no more. You don't see AOC doing photo shoots at the thing wearing white looking sad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, nowadays, bro, like at first I'd get, you know, I get triggered. I'd be going back and forth with these damn bots. But now when they're like, how do you go from this to this? I just be like, simple. <laughs> One word. There you go. That's that's your answer. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I, it's actually very freeing to not be beholden and not have that burden of like, you know, no matter what, you got to be Democrat. No matter what, you got to, you know, believe that Beto O'Rourke, you know, got some grand scheme for Texas and that's what everybody around here, man, like the local politics, like um, in Houston, the corrupt local government, they're getting exposed, uh, briberies and all that. And uh, the church we go to, Second Baptist, 
uh, the pastor, he went up there and he just started reading crime statistics for the city and the county. And uh, he was and then he ended that. He said, we need to throw them bums out of office. Hmm. And boy, the mayor, the county judge, everybody next day, they're like, you better watch your mouth, man. You're going to, you know, your 503C, whatever, the IRS and church separation, church and state. And then he backdoored, doubled down. The next week he came back. He was like, I didn't know reading crime statistics. Uh, we're going to cause such a fuss. And everybody just stood up and he, he said, you're not supposed to scream fire in a crowded theater. But when there's a fire, somebody got to stand up. Mm. And uh, that's like that's like the big thing right now is like, you know, we can't let uh, Beth O'Rourke, California, our Texas, you know, he's 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 a gun grabber. He's Mr. Hell yeah, we coming for your guns in Texas, boy. Like, psh, like we love we love the Second Amendment. Uh, so yeah, it's gonna get real interesting November eighth for sure. A little off topic. Can AOC speak Spanish? Honestly, uh, I really don't know. She's probably more like New Yorkian. Uh, <laughs> but the people know, that don't know, what is that? <laughs> so so basically, so basically, if you from if you're from Puerto Rico, then obviously you you super fluent, but. Once you knew Eurekan, that's kind of like Mexican American. That's kind of like you. You, I'd argue she's the New Yorker first mm. because that culture is so dominant. You know, it's such a unique way of living that it's like, nah, you probably New Yorker first, and then like, oh yeah, my people come from Puerto Rico. I've never really heard her speak Spanish, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I I've been um, that's my boo. So I say, yeah, she can speak Spanish until somebody proved me otherwise. <laughs> and, I've seen the gifs of her doing fixing a ponytail. I've seen it all. <laughs> all right. Um, back to this whole um, uh, Mexican American thing. What is so? I I I I'm learning here. There's Hispanic, which I broke break down to his Spanish people, which is obviously from Spain, and we're gonna get into that later. Um, and then there's Mexican. Is there uh, a different political ideology from the Hispanic community for Mexicans, or is it very similar? Uh, okay. When you say Mexican, you mean Mexican American, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, these days it's split pretty much in the middle. Um, obviously you have a subset of, uh, of the community that are like woke, um, you probably got some borderline communists up in there, like indoctrinated, fresh out of, uh, you know, Chicano study, you know, Chicano studies. And they think they still walk around talking about this stolen land. And, you know, I don't know what type of like Marxist, you know, Marxist identity politics, politics type of stuff. And then you got like some more just conservative, traditional people that are just like religious, hardworking, mind their business. And, you know, they probably vote blue as well, just because they're just like we were told those are the ones that are the good people for the working class. Um, but in terms of like Hispanic and Latino and all that, bro, I, now they want to call us Latinx. So they just keep coming up with stuff. But um, when it comes to Mexicans, though, like it is a very distinct. It's like we almost. It's like we're very different from all the other. All the Latin countries are, are pretty different. Obviously, if you're if you got a cluster of Central American countries, they're gonna like overlap in a lot of ways. But Mexico just has such a unique. I don't know what it is. I guess just like the history, and you know, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
So, uh, you know, I see uh, Latinos for Trump, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, so you said it's 50-50. I, I think that um, pretty much answers my question. It's a little bit of diversity in a voting, I guess you could say. It's probably split down the middle. Some vote Republican, some vote Dem um, Democrat. Are those de uh, demographics different? Uh, maybe by like household income, uh, two-parent household, et cetera, et cetera? Well, for one, um, like regionally and geographically, like people that live on the Rio Grande border, like Rio Grande Valley. So like McAllen, Texas, Brownsville, you know, a lot of those communities, they flipped counties red, like counties that were blue for like 150 years. All of a sudden, like you had Myra Flores, she ran for Congress and won. And uh, I guess she's up for like reelection now. But um, but that that's like a big distinguishing factor, meaning like, for example, if you live in a big blue city, like, you know, L.A. or Houston, chances are you've gone through that school system. And just culturally speaking, you've been persuaded that, you know, social justice and, you know, equity and all these things sound very appealing. So they just kind of go along with it. And then also it depends on your news sources and like what kind of media you consume. Because if you turn on like Univision, Spanish channel, it's just like they're parroting a whole bunch of just and Trump did this and that's bad, you know, and this is racist and this is mean to immigrants. It's almost like if you translate it, that's kind of how they're like, look at what these Republicans did. And that is so mean and mean to immigrants and they hate immigrants. So it's kind of like CNN, basically. <laughs> how did they feel about the term Latinx? You know, it's funny, man. Um, I'm working on a joke on stage where I, I kind of be like, I'm like, yo, you know, it's Hispanic Heritage Month, man. Where my Latinos at? You know, everybody scream because you setting them up. They're like, ah, this is the party. We What are we doing? Shots? And then you're like, yo, we got any Latinx? And they look so confused. They're like, huh? It's like, Latinx? Ain't none of y'all Latinx? <laughs> and then I just start roasting it because, you know, nobody, nobody goes along unless you're... um establishment type like yeah. when you're doing things very corporate and, I, and i'll give you an example right i'm part of this um and no disrespect hbo please invite me on please keep cutting them chicks but hbo max they put out a uh a uh, it's called the ha comedy festival and i think the subtitle was latinx something or other latinx comedy Fest. i i, I didn't rough no feathers i ain't rock the boat i went along i did my part but you know, that's just, I don't know. I'm like, okay, y'all trying to get that sponsorship money? Like, like don't nobody really do that. Unless you're like at the mall and it'll be like Macy's, Honors, Latinx. You know, you'll see a lot of like really progressive Democrat people. You'll see that like on their flyers or something, but it always falls flat. It, it never really resonates. What do you think they're trying to do with that? I mean, this might be too um, one-dimensional way of thinking, but like, it just always seems like if they can control how they, how you view yourself or how they can brand you and how they can kind of label you, it might be a little bit easier to get you to go along. Almost like, hey, we're the, we're the smart, good guys, and there's new data, new based on new research, right? This is kind of more inclusive. And based on everything we're learning about gender, you got to see, see y'all's language, right? See Spanish. Got the, sometimes y'all have the O at the end. Sometimes y'all have the A at the end, and that's not inclusive. Uh, you know, some of that woke stuff, bro, is trying to make it into Mexico. 
And that 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 dog ain't gonna hunt. That shit is not gonna fly. Um, there's like viral clips of like I don't know who this gentleman is, but he he's obviously like some kind of scholarly type of thinker. He's almost like a Mexican Jordan Peterson, right? Mm-hmm. Because this um this dude named Jorge Ramos, he's been on Univision forever, so he's kind of like a like Anderson Cooper. He damn near looking like right, damn near looking like. So this uh this Mexican Anderson Cooper will be like. But the Spanish language, we got to start kind of thinking more progressively. You know, this is archaic and it's not inclusive. And that older gentleman, he was just like, bro, you're not going to just rewrite how we talk. He's like, that's not what that means. He's like, you know, when you when you see a group of uh, like boys and girls, it might still be ellos. It's like it's them, but it's kind of masculine. So he's like, that's how it is. Y'all reading into it too much, trying to be woke. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, Dr. Oh, wow. John Henry Clark said, uh, power, um, <clears throat> or, or, uh, corrupt power is the ability to define someone else's reality. And I think, uh, and, I, and that now is like exactly what you said. They're trying to dictate exactly how you view yourself. And, um, they're, they're doing the same thing, uh, with, uh, the black community, uh, chat, stop grifting, hit the super chats, ask Chingo bling a question, make a comment. Stop grifting. Um, pay your tithes. Um, <laughs> so okay. So let's let's talk let's talk about something else that happened. Um, and this is a very sensitive topic for me. So um, you know, I'm a controversial individual. Uh I study a lot of history. And um so uh I'm about to say something really crazy. You ready? Yeah. Ain't no such thing as Hispanic people. <laughs> okay. You going with the this- you're going with the spicy white <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> listen listen in the continent of south america there was no mexicans there was mexitos there's no mexican there was no light-skinned folk it was all black folk african looking individuals then the spanish came over and started mixing and they created through race mixing Hispanic people. Meaning the indigenous people? Correct. Oh, got it. Okay. When you go look at, you know, the old paintings, even in Hawaii, you can see the old paintings. It's all African looking cats. You'll you'll see um an Asian um an Asian um influence in the uh phenotype because obviously when you're dealing with Hawaii, you're close to Japan, you're close to Asia than the rest of the country. You also deal with a lot of Asian um phenotypes in the uh, west coast of america and even with the indigenous population and, and all of that and um so when i think about hispanic people i'm like okay this is actually a newly created race right and um for example you ever see a black and white uh, a mixed person a mulatto and then people like just start talking spanish to them because they think they're <laughs> spanish <laughs> so yeah. it sort of lends to that so, you know, that's my controversial take on this whole situation. But um, really what I'm getting to is um, I heard American Cholo complain about, you know, he said, oh, we're brown people. We're brown people. And I'm like, y'all not brown people, but OK, whatever. Y'all want to call yourselves brown. That's cool. But, you know, he's making it seem like the Hispanic community is victims of racism. And uh, as far as I heard and I've experienced, Hispanic people don't fuck with black people either. They're very racist. Um, if a, a Hispanic girl was to bring a black man home, 
grandma not going to be too happy. When you're dealing with the Dominican folk, the Dominican folk is like, I'm not black. I know black, right? <laughs> and he darker than me, right? Yeah. So, and then when you deal with um, places like Argentina who practices uh, uh, ethnic cleansing, uh, you deal with um, Brazil, right? Brazil, there's a movie called um, City of God. And the one mm -hmm. black kid in that movie, what's his name? His name's Blackie, right? <laughs> so mm -hmm. black folks deal with racism with all types of people. So when I hear Hispanic people complain about racism, I'm like, y'all acting like y'all not racist yourself. Am I correct in some of this or what? Oh, I, I've tweeted before. I've tweeted before. I was like, I was like, some of these Chicanos or whatever. I was like, these are some of the most racist people on earth. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> because I, I agree. I agree with um. You know, part of what you said, which is like basically, um, one minute we we always and I say we because I'm generalizing, right? Mm. Not me specifically. Like a whole bunch of people, like Gil from American Cholo, they they. They see, I guess they view the world, their worldview is through the filter of oppression. And maybe it's just a little bit of Marxism that got put in their head. But they spot oppression at every turn because either they've just been kind of taught to think that way, even though there's a whole bunch of brown privilege, too, you know, that they just kind of ignore. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah, so I, I literally tweeted that for that reason, mm -hmm. which was basically like, like, bro, y'all. I'll give you the best example. Uh, Gil, shout out to Gil, man. He's getting so much. He's getting so much. Uh, 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 what do you call time? <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna just tell his story real fast. So uh, when Tiger did a music video called I Caramba, all of like a bunch of these. Um, what is that? Uh, no Jumper podcast. Everybody was chiming in. Uh, American Cholo, and of course Gil's take was like he needs to take it down. Like they made a huge fuss. Like. All the keyboard people are like, yeah, this is racist. They make tigers making fun of us, and this is a mockery. And if you don't ever, you know, put your foot down, this is always how they're gonna do us. And you know, uh, Blueface did a video, and this person did a video, and now this now tiger. I, my spicy take, which triggered a, a lot of these Mexican folk, was like, maybe he was just doing a silly rap video for YouTube, and he knows most of his uh, half of his fans are Hispanic, Latino, whatever. He's not gonna shoot him. He's not gonna shoot his own Nord Stream too. Um, and you know, I was just like, maybe y'all reading into it too much. Like, I don't think Tiger's racist. Like, we have to be careful about right away labeling somebody racist. Mm -hmm. And like, not but not but a week later, uh, they done pulled up some clips of uh, some shit surface of Gil saying the N word. You know, obviously it was out of context. He was like quoting somebody and mm. or whatever. But they didn't cut him no slack. Mm. The way they didn't cut me no slack for uh, voting for cheap gas. And uh, so he, you know, it's unfortunate, but he kind of got a taste of like, hey, man, when you want to always be defender of all things brown, you, you sticking your neck out. And like I said, thankfully, I, I don't really have that burden because, you know, I worry about, you know, my family, my community. And just because somebody like looks like me, mm. I might have more in common with you. Yeah. Right. Depending. Or someone else, like somebody might be Christian from the middle of the Amazon, ain't been in no kind of civilization. I might relate more to that person, you know, due to that connection than, than my next door neighbor who might be a atheist Mexican. <laughs> right, right, right. Nah, I totally get that. Um, yeah. You know, um, 
even the gangs in LA, everybody know that Mexican gangs run LA, right? It just is what it is. Um, and uh, I'm a big fan of racism. Another controversial take. <laughs> and and uh, my definition of racism is people who care about their own race. Whatever, if we're defining race as, you know, your skin color, your ethnicity. So if you believe that you want to put your people first, I fully support that. So it's white power to white people, black power to black people, brown power to brown people. Fully support that. And um, I think there's, there's nothing... Um, inherently wrong well there's a lot wrong with it but most of it's inherent but i get i get the sentiment i get the idea right i get the the reason for wanting to be about your tribe and technically um due to the state of the current human ego i think that might be the proper way to operate with that being said i don't tolerate any victimhood so for the black community you know when we talk about um oh we were um like the other day I saw a tweet that said, who was the most um, uh, important, influential uh, politician in American history? And I said, Andrew Jackson. And all of a sudden everybody's like, oh, the trail of tears, the trail of tears. And I yeah. said, and, I, and so, so when I see that term, it reminds me of um, the Tulsa massacre, right? Mm-hmm. And the they're very, uh, clever in how they label these things, right? It wasn't the Tulsa battle because that's what it was. Because usually a massacre means ain't nobody left, right? <clears throat> it was a Tulsa battle and Tulsa rebuilt itself 40 years later and socialist policies destroyed Tulsa. Not the, not the so-called massacre. When we look at the Trail of Tears, they like to paint the natives as if these were a group of people who were victims, who were soft, who were feminine, who had to, who were crying on their way out west. No, these people fought and bled for what they believe in. This was a war. Put some respect yeah. on their masculinity. Yeah. So they're very clever um, when they when they label these things. But I also look at things very objectively. Motherfuckers colonize. It just happens. It just is what it is. Africa was colonizing at one point. You know, when we look at ancient Egypt, ancient Egypt uh, in the uh, pre-dynastic period, uh, middle kingdom and, and first kingdom, all black. Oh, yeah, they colonized. Absolutely. They colonized. Babylon colonized. Alexander the Great colonized. That's what people do. And a lot of colonization is about defense. You know, it's either they're going to come get me or I'm going to go get them first. So I don't play the whole, you know, victim game, blah, 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 blah. And I saw that with American Cholo. I'm like, yo, like, you sound like a victim. You know, you complaining about, oh, Trump said this about my people. Yo, when somebody say something about my people on this on the TV screen, I don't give a fuck. Because <laughs> if it don't apply, I don't let, you know what I mean, let it fly. What I care about is what my bank account look like when you come into power. I can empower myself. I don't care what you say. I can empower myself. So I didn't appreciate him painting Hispanic people as victims because they not. Y'all are very strong and proud people. In fact, y'all stronger than the black community. I, I can't go nowhere and see a little Africa. Actually, I can see maybe a little Africa. I can't see a little black America. I got to go to Atlanta maybe. But anywhere I go, there's going to be a little Mexico. Hey, man, come to Houston, bro. <laughs> 
Houston might be another another hub. Yeah. But mm-hmm. when I but in anywhere I go, small city, whatever, Hispanic people, they got their own shit. They got their own phone place so they can call home. They got their own check cash in place. They got their own bank, Banco Popular. They got um their own grocery store, et cetera, et cetera. So I didn't like how you just painted y'all, you know, as 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 victims and, and all this other stuff, you know? And I thought it was disingenuous because it's hypocritical because on one hand, you saying that the Democrats is racist, but you motherfuckers is racist too. Mm-hmm. Black folks complain about racism. Nigga, we racist too. You should see, <laughs> we are racist. Everybody on this planet is racist. And until we like admit that, can nobody heal? You know, you know what my, my 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 black friends say about my white friends behind everybody black back? It's racist shit. And I'm like, nah, yo, my white friends is cool. What was you about to say? Oh yeah, no, no, I didn't want to cut you off. Uh no, keep going, keep going. No, nah, go ahead. Oh, I I just remember. Yeah, like the slickest shit, I don't know who came up with this. It might have been some some cultural Marxist, but the slickest shit ever is you can only be racist if you have power, therefore. Therefore, minorities can't be racist and only white men could be racist and they're inherently racist. And then racism is everywhere. And, you know, you can't measure it, but, you know, it's there and it's systemic and we can't fix it because we can't, you know, it's basically vote for us and we'll promise to make it better. But it's never like here's a concrete example. This is something that has been codified. You know, this is a racist law. We got to undo this. It's always like, man, uh, Republicans don't want minorities to vote and they don't want you know the black folk to be able to vote and, and minorities don't have ids and a whole bunch of shit meanwhile they're letting like illegals and shit illegal immigrants get the, get ids and allegedly maybe they're able to vote i don't know but uh but yeah that, that whole thing about like if you're a minority you can't be racist it's almost like bro it's such a little like chess game type of hack where it's like, oh, I'm really going to I'm like, I could just see George Soros or somebody or the WEF just kind of like, yeah, 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 say that um, say only the white man could be racist. That's basically <laughs> saying that only the white man can possess power. Exactly. <laughs> you could never possess power. Damn. <laughs> that's racist. <laughs> that's racist. Exactly. That's That's real racism. You know, like the real racism that happens is ignored. For you know somebody riding down the street waving the Confederate flag, screaming the N word, that's not racism. That's just hate. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. racism is when you um have the power again to dictate to another motherfucker what their reality is. Like I said before, so the Democrats come in and say, "Listen, you black person, you're weak. <laughs> you, yeah, Hispanic person, you're weak. You need us." We will save you. That's racist, according yeah. to their definition. Man, I, I had this. Um, let me tell you this long story short. So I follow Netflix on Instagram, and uh, there was an Asian comedian from New York. Uh, I forget his name, Ronnie. I think his name is Ronnie. But they posted a clip from his special, and and that clip was basically the whole premise of his joke was like, "Hey, Ronnie, you need to." you need to speak up more on your platform and promote vaccinations because if not, the ignorant people won't have the information from your platform, then they'll die. And he's basically like, it's a win-win almost like let the ignorant die 
because I don't I also don't have to use my platform to promote whatever. And uh, I just left a comment on there. I don't even know the guy. I don't have anything against him. But I just left a comment. I was just like, okay, so pro provax comedy. That that's what we doing. You know what I'm saying? Almost like you're basically echoing the status quo and the CDC and the View, and you're no longer being a stand-up comedian trying to find that other that other take. Mm. And uh, this other local comedian dude, he jumped on me, and he started saying a bunch of shit. And and I hit him up. I was like, hey, man, you know, I thought we were cool. He's like, dude, I just think your political views are bad for minorities. And this, this, and that. And I'm like, what you? I can't think for myself. I can't even, like, vote for cheap gas for me. (laughs) And (laughs) and I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I always say on this channel, Human beings operate off of self-interest. And um, the older I get, the more I operate like that. You know, I'm going to do what's best for me. I'm going to do what's best for my family. And then everybody else sort of comes second, right? It goes me, my family, then Hotep Nation, then whoever else gets sloppy seconds. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, but that's, I think that's human nature. There's, there's no way people can can argue that. So uh, when we talk about voting, you know, left or right, da, 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 forget the rhetoric. If I'm looking at self-interest, I, you know, I feel bad that, you know, kids are being used by coyotes and all of that stuff. And, you know, I'm not 100 percent on board with deportation, but I got to look out for myself and it's making America unsafe. It's hurting yeah. our economy. Um, I'm paying for it via my tax dollars. Right. Like. And, and, you know, I, I heard American Cholo complain about healthcare in America, right? And you, you made a great point about, you know, the socialist version of, of healthcare. But I'm like, yo, don't you understand that you want money to go to healthcare, but if you increase the population via illegal immigration, that's coming from healthcare budget? <laughs> like he kept contradicting himself through the whole interview. I was so, American Cholo, I want to come on your channel. I want to talk to you and set you straight. <laughs> He seems like a great guy, like no distance. He seems like a great guy. Um, yeah, I just yeah, think he's yeah. very uninformed. Yeah, no, like I said, we, he and I, we had got off to the wrong foot because we met in the comment section. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, but uh, but you know what? I, I'm going to give him, I will, I will say this. A lot of the big pages that were trying to... Um, What's the word? Like, like, uh, fools gone wild. You know, they they like to kind of pick, like, oh, look at look at this Chingo Bling guy. Did y'all not hear what he did? And then they try to put you on Front Street, right, with a little compilation clip of you out of context. You know, so I would reach out to all these big channels and big pages, like, hey man, let's let's milk it. You can come on my shit, I come on yours. Like, let's let's do something, right? Let's actually try to try to understand what I'm saying and break down what I'm saying or fact check me or debunk me. And he was he was like the only one. Everybody else was like, nah, we cool. I don't think I don't think we could get much ground covered because, you know, you got your views. We got ours and ain't nothing going to come from that. But he was actually like, yeah, fool, I, I see it. Dog. Let's do it. Fuck it. Yeah, I, I think so that's you- important. That's why I said I think he's a good guy, because if he wasn't, he wouldn't have had you on the platform. Right. Um, I just think people are wholly uninformed and the more informed I get, the more I realize how uninformed I am and how uninformed everyone is. Um, because, um, you know, I fall asleep reading and I wake up reading and, uh, I read stuff that 
you know, are titles that people won't even hear about. Right. It's, you know, a lot of banned books. Like I want the truth. Right. And I'm reading stuff from firsthand accounts from a lot of these different countries. And I'm and I'm really focused on uh, European history. And you start seeing, you know, things get repeated over and over again. And, I, you know, everybody on this channel knows I major in communism and socialism. And communism and socialism has been terrible all the way around the board. And um, I don't understand how uh, Hispanic people can. Um, so here, here's my other beef with uh, 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 American Cholo. You know, he was. Um, he sort of put you in the seat of like, hey, defend Trump. And you kept saying like, yo, I'm not going to defend Trump. And I always say that to my people, too. Like, yo, I'm not about to defend this dude. If you want to talk um, economics, we can talk economics. If you want to talk um the policy for the black community and what policies help us. We could talk about that, but I'm not about to defend Trump's rhetoric, but my problem more or less was about the fact that he was saying, look, we're all, you guys are all Brown people, right? So you should be, he said, don't choose left. Don't choose right. Choose Brown. And I'm like, all right, I'm not going to argue that point. Right. However, he spent the whole interview arguing with you about Trump, yeah. but hardly any critical analysis, very little critical analysis of the left. And it's like, if we're going to sit here and we're going to have these conversations and you're going to vilify the right, you got to come just as hard on the left, if not more, because the right don't run this country. The <laughs> right wasn't the one not hiring niggas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Big tech is run by who? Media Lib. is run by who? It's <laughs> so if there was racism in the media, if there was racism in corporate America, who's responsible for it? It surely wasn't Earl with the Confederate flag and the uh, flag and a pickup truck. So I don't understand how these people could spend so much time worried about Trump with Trump. Majority of his policies helped America, helped the lower class. And then he made another ignorant comment. He said, oh, he, he lowered the taxes uh, for, for corporations. And, uh, you know, that stuff doesn't trickle down. It's not about trickle down. That's another theory created by the left, right? It, 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 the, the it's like a, strong, like a straw man, right? It's a straw man it, argument, yeah. The, the whole point of lowering taxes for corporate is so they don't offshore the jobs because when you raise the taxes they go oh, okay i can't make no money here i'm gonna go make money somewhere else then so you lower taxes to incentivize them to keep the jobs here so the hispanic community get a job the white community black community everybody can get more jobs and you start seeing that job creation uh, it's, it's it's so frustrating to see people who have no concept of the full picture they only see one side it's like nah you got to look at the whole thing and then draw a conclusion yeah i feel like i feel like a good way to kind of um give people a, a different perspective is is i need to have like a cheat sheet of examples of like man look at how fake the media like this is how the media works and you know this is how they manipulate stuff. It's all about persuasion. This is how they frame things. Opinions get assigned. And I feel like if people realize, like, oh, wait, so Trump really wasn't the boogeyman everybody made him out to be. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like they 
they managed to come to, I guess, conflate in people's minds. Like the flag is racist. If they got that Punisher sticker to uh, back the blue, or if they got the don't tread on me, or if they fly in this flag, or if they dress like this, or they talk like that, or they got the uh, FJB or let's go Brandon, or even a Q sticker for that matter. Like right away, they train folks to be like, oh, these are the KKK. These are the ones, you know, stealing my cheese. Like they, they, whatever. Those are the crazies. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate that people have been taught to like, if it's Republican, it's racist. And, you know, to a certain extent, I mean, hey, th there's a clip, Eddie Bravo, uh, it's, it's a short clip. I think when Eddie Bravo was on Rogan, he's Rogan alumni like yourself, sir. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I met Eddie. <laughs> Don DeMarco. <laughs> okay, you know Eddie? Yeah, I swear, yeah, oh. I, I did it with Eddie, yeah. Okay, great, great. Okay, so so uh, there's a clip of Eddie uh, Eddie Bravo, and he he basically says he's like, dude, you know, when I was coming up, I wanted to be a rocker, and he's like, he's like, I wanted to party and get puss. He's like, nobody wanted to be the fucking tie stuck up, um, you know, sticking in mud conservative that's like goody two shoes. And he's like George Bush. He was like the Bushes. He's like hell no. You know that hurt you know, that hurt their brand because they were on some warmonger shit and they did a lot of bullshit. And, and so at that point, it's kind of like, man, both sides are screwed. Uh, and what I always tell people too, is like when they say, this is a common thing people say to me, like on Twitter and stuff, they'll be like, you know, both sides are corrupt, right? To an extent. And then they will be like two wings of the same bird and stuff like that. I always mess their head up by saying, well, look at the look at the GOP and the Republican Party within itself. I was like, that within itself is fractured. I was like, you can't even say that is a wing, only because half don't don't fuck with the other half. And then I said too, I was like, keep in mind, some of the main people hating on Trump was the Republican Party. Right. You know, because it was going to disrupt their you know their good old boy unit party, purple party, the way they've always done things. You know, shit, the Clintons cool with the Bushes, the Bushes cool with the Obamas and back and forth. And I don't know if that it, like sink, sinks into people of like, wait, so you're telling me there's like a whole other America first populist, you know, national. That's another word, nationalist. Mm -hmm. Some reason the media has made it to where that like triggers people like uh, right wing white nationalist or whatever yeah and i'm not even sure 100 what all that means but i'm thinking to myself well i'm not a globalist you can call me, you can call me a nationalist all you want like yeah i want america first and earlier you mentioned um you mentioned deportation earlier it's some sick people bro and some of them gotta be deported There's some of these people doing some sick shit you know you don't even want to know where it's like i don't give a damn you brown whatever you acting a fool over here. You doing a bunch of stupid stuff, and you and you're not even supposed to be here. <laughs> not not in my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I um, you know, I just I just want people to um, to be honest, right? And 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 destroy some of this ignorance. The other ignorant thing people say is um, you know, uh, it's two wings of the same bird, and it's like, no, it's not. Not at all. First of all, it's a whole bunch of different birds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's start there. Yeah. Um, if we want to be uh, real about this, 
ain't no bird, only banks. Mm-hmm. There you go. You see what I'm saying? And either you're in line with the banker plot or you're not. Okay. And I'm not here to hate on the banker game. I'm just saying you got your game. I'm going to have my game. And if you got people that's playing your game, that's cool. But I get to identify who plays for the Lakers and who plays for the Bulls. It just, that's what I'm allowed to do. And there are people in the Democratic Party who play for the banks and people in the Republican Party who play for the banks. The United States government uh, is like the spoon in the Matrix. It doesn't really exist, right? It's an inanimate object. The government doesn't do anything. People are like, oh, it's the government. No, it's not the government. The government is an inanimate object. Our government is divided into three parts. Which part of the government did this? You tell me. And who did it? See, if we got smarter and started to identify, okay, it was the Bushes. It was the Romneys. It was the Bidens. It was the Clintons. We could get a whole lot further in this country. But people, what happens is people don't want to do the studies because it's just too much work. So they just go, oh, it's just two birds, two wings of the same bird. It's like, yeah. you know, it's way more nuanced than that. First of all, the Republican Party is splintered right now, like you just brought up. Completely splintered. You got some black Democrats who only run Democrat because they don't want to handle the fight of being a third party or, or, or red. So you have some people like, oh, all Democrats are bad. No, that's not true. I know some good conservatives that ran Democrat just because they know they can get the vote and they can get the support. You know what I'm saying? So you can't just dumb the politics yeah. is way too nuanced to dumb the conversation down like that. And I hate when people say shit like that, mostly because like now you saw them say um, Trump Republicans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a MAGA Republicans. MAGA Republicans. Yeah. It's the ultra MAGAs. The MAGA agenda. So, so. Hey, hey, uh-huh. No, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, like, you know, you, you kind of touched on this, but, like, the Democratic Party has all these factions, too. You got, like, the squad, or you have, like, the super progressive. Uh, you got, like, the classical liberals. You know, they still, I guess, kind of more centrist. And, and then you just got, like, like I said, like, the ultra progressive, like, damn near communist, you know, everything got to be, you know, you got a drag queen in every school, like that type of stuff where I think well, that pushed away a lot of uh, Latinos where they're just kind of like, man, this ain't the Democratic Party I remember growing up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the, the real deciding factor for me was the children when they started supporting um, sexual content being taught in schools at young ages um drag queen story hour um man boy love all of that Oof. stuff right like that's when i'm like i right, hold up hold yeah. up hold up hold up now y'all done went way too far and now i now i'm gonna have to go out and vote republican because you know before i was just staying out of it right now i'm like no i got to get in it because this yeah. is this is i give me uh, a white man calling me nigga. <laughs> you call me nigga. As long as you keep this nasty shit away from my kids, I don't go fuck what you call me. Because we align ideologically. Ideologically, black folks in America 
and white folks in America on the conservative side of things, because black folks are conservative, they want the same shit. God, heavily Christian, right? <clears throat> Love a church. Mm-hmm. Love a guns and love a family. Hey, uh, hey, man! One time, um, I don't know if you follow Slim Thug on Instagram, but uh, he he posted a video of like he made a wrong turn in, in his big pickup, and he ended up like near a stadium where it was like a big Trump rally. Mm. So it's like all the people with the stickers and the shirts and the hats and the flags, and and his caption didn't really say nothing disrespectful. It was it was just kind of like a. Something to the effect of like, oh, damn, look where I ended up type of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the comments I left, I, I left a comment. I was like, I was like, Thugger is conservative and don't know it. I was like, he likes his guns. He, you know, he's about, you know, making money. You know, you know, I, I just gave a bunch of examples because, I mean, he, he displays all this stuff and he talks about it in his raps where it's all about like, you know, getting money. And, and you know, he, he got a shit ton of guns. So it's kind of like. <laughs> And he drives big, he got all kinds of vehicles. A lot of them are big trucks and gas powered. Everything, he ain't got nothing electric, everything gas powered. And, uh, and dude, man, they were liking that comment. This one, uh, this one jujitsu gym was like, bro, you get a free month, man. Like, comment of the year. Da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fire. You know, yeah. here's, here's an experiment that I don't have the balls to pull off, mostly because I have a family. Um, I'd be a different person if I didn't have a family and man. kids. Who you tell? I'll be taking, <laughs> I'll be taking a lot more chances out here. Um, but put on a Black Lives Matter shirt and go to a Trump rally, then put on a MAGA hat, and then go to a leftist rally. Where do you think you'd be safer at, Chingo? Uh, safer at the Trump rally, dog. <laughs> Straight up. That's <laughs> good. Because they'll swing for your head with a skateboard, like they'll shoot you. Uh, you'll they'll throw a, a concrete milkshake. They'll, um, you know, you're gonna get a big old lib chick, uh, pro-abortion chick, all up in your grill. You're gonna get. Uh, they'll give you the uh, what is it? The Catholic kids the, uh, treatment. Remember the, the, with the with the Native American guy and the little Catholic. Oh kid? yeah, yeah, like, yeah. On your life, get you fired. Find out who your family is, where you work, you'll get doxxed. Somebody, somebody, man, went and posted my damn home address on a damn tweet. And uh, I don't know, I don't know which agency, I don't know which government, I don't know who, Antifa, but anyway, they'll do all that to you, right? Whereas I've been to a Trump rally. Like if you saw someone with a BLM, they'd probably just look and think like, well, maybe they just don't know, or maybe they just support the slogan, or I, I, I'm, I'm just not going to say nothing to them. Or are they agitators? It depends on your vibe, too, right? right. If it looks like innocently wearing something and just kind of not bothering people. But, uh, but yeah, bro, like that, the treatment the media did on Trump, like that, that whole hit piece campaign, like, you know, I didn't vote for him the first time. I, I don't even think I voted that year. But like I was one of those people that would get triggered if like a little family walked in and, and the wife had on the dad had on the flag. You know, I never was mad at the flag, but like let's say the wife had the MAGA hat, I, I'd be just like, boy, she could have wore any hat and she knew exactly, you know what I mean? Like you already know they don't they don't like us. So whatever. Thankfully I kind of, you know, opened my eyes a little bit towards like, nah, they don't necessarily mean anything bad. They just don't like where shit's going. And 
they don't they feel left out of stuff. They don't like how Washington is doing stuff. And especially out here in Texas, right? As soon as you get out of the the blue hubs, you know, the blue cities, obviously Austin's ultra liberal, but as soon as you get out, boom, it's all, you know, it's rural, it's back to like, you'll see the billboards, it's like, you know, open borders means more inflation or, you know, they be like, stop voting Democrat if you want your money, you know? They put their money in, in, the, in the billboards and you'll see the Trump flags and everything. So it, it's going to be interesting because like Beto O'Rourke, he's got a lot of followers. He's got a lot of support, especially in these rich neighborhoods, these yuppie, you know, the Bob Stroller, Lululemon, the Yoga Moms, the Pogs out there. Uh, everybody's just beto up. Beto for Texas. You see the stickers, like everybody's just hypnotized that, you know, he's going to be better than Abbott. Abbott, really? Mm. Beto, the gun grabber? I don't know. I mean, I don't keep up with the Texas politics. And again, I don't talk about shit I don't know. Um, outside looking in, Beto don't look like it's it. He don't look like the the, the pick I would make. You know? Nah, nah. No, pretty much his M.O., is he he plays ball like he's he's in the game in terms of like hey if if the agenda is we're going green if that's going to help Beto politically like push this climate stuff like whatever these woke kids want to hear um he's going to speak a little spanish on his on his he's a good public speaker okay he he's a very good public speaker uh cuz he gets passionate he'll cuss mm. uh you know, he knows how to get those viral moments. He knows how to attack his opposition. Like, he's going to blame Abbott over the uh, electrical grid and the freeze that we had. Um, oh, he's going to blame the Uvalde uh, school shooting all on Abbott, mm -hmm. just all on him. Uh, so, you know, he's effective. But obviously, if you, if you use logic, you could just listen to what he's saying and just be like, okay, I hear you bringing up the electrical grid. So what's your plan? And if he says more windmills and more solar panels, like, come on, dog. Yeah. That's that's why that's why our shit gave out. Because mm. 28%, 28% of our stuff is on that air quotes renewables. <laughs> Which ain't even renewable. Ain't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> gotta... Oh, they they say climate friendly, but it's like, bro, that's the last thing it is, dog. Shit not climate friendly at all. I'm hearing about how to dispose of the solar panels and how that affects the environment and it's not exactly renewable and you need millions of dollars just to take down one of them and, and dismantle it properly. So, yeah. Um, so what's the deal with Abbott? Um, shit. My, my advice to Abbott, all he got to do is just be more alpha, like just push the alpha shit, just push the masculinity because Bethel, you know, you know, he, he's skinny. He wear them look, them little uh, roll up sleeves and stuff. And he posted a video. He's like, all right, Corpus Christi, we're all getting up early tomorrow. Meet me for a jog. Like, he's Kevin Hart or some shit. We're all going to meet at the Selena statue, and, you know, Dolores Huerta's going to be there, There's, you know, yada, yada. And everyone's all pumped up. But it's like, bro, you know, you just like you cucking out there. Like, you know, just so frail and, and just, you know, your name's not even better. At first, I didn't really mind that, you know, because if they <laughs> You know, because to me, it's like, that's that's not... It's low-hanging fruit. Not the strongest argument, like, oh, that ain't even his, his real name. Yeah. Or oh, it's pandering or whatever. But I honestly just kind of see him, 
like he's cut from the same cloth as like Newsom. And when you see some of these states, like some of the stuff New York's doing, um, it just looks like he would want to go that route. Mm, mm, interesting. My heart goes out to all people, especially Hispanic people, brown people. Uh, this is a running joke at Hotep Nation. We were at uh, Hotep Con this year, and um, me and Uncle Hotep were arguing about who's the biggest coon. And, um, you know, we asking people, and everybody kept saying, Hotep, Jesus is the biggest coon. And I was asking people, okay, we'll explain why. And some people couldn't explain it. And then um, Jay Hots came around, Patriot Jay, shout out to Patriot Jay. And he's like, you know what it is, Hotep Jesus? I'm like, what? He's like, you love white people more than Uncle Hotep. And I was like, you know, I can't even argue that. Because <laughs> I fucking love white people. I really do. Yeah, same. <laughs> I, I, yo, when I tell you some of the best experiences I've had have been with white people. Yeah. And some of the worst experiences I've had have been with non-white people. <laughs> you know, I remember, and I, I kind of commend them. I was walking into, um, I was going to get me one of them gyros. And you know, gyros is made by the uh, Asian people, the brown Asian people. And um, it was some ladies outside. I'm just being cordial. I say, hey, good afternoon. You know, da, da, da. And they just all looked at me funny and stayed silent. I was like, oh, they got their women trained, right? But they women trained not to talk to niggas. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And I'm not mad at that. But if I was to say hi to a group of white girls, it would have been cordial, you know? And they might be underlying races or, you know, whatever races, but there's some cordial Asian motherfuckers. Oh, they don't like my black ass. You know what I'm saying? Um, Hispanics, it's 50-50 sometimes. You know, I had this one Hispanic girl. She got me fired from, from Olive Garden. You know, she pulled, some, <laughs> she pulled some white girl shit. It was like, you Hispanic, but you acting like a white girl. You know what I'm saying? See, so, bro, that, that's why you got to come to Texas, man. We rock totally different. Yeah. All, all them, like, for example, California is very, there's, a, there's all this little friction for whatever, you know, forever, little street politics. Yeah. But Texas. We, we, it's like, we got our own, we don't abide to none of that. So, mm. I, and I know people generalize when they, when they say stuff, you know, because yeah. we, we try to make a point. So we generalize, but like, oh, I'll give you the best example. You know, uh, comedian Carlos Miller. No, very, very funny. They have a podcast called, um, 80, uh, was 85 South, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's hilarious. He's super funny. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, I know him. Yeah. Carlos. Yeah. 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 Carlos Miller. So he. He tweeted something and he probably didn't even, I don't even know. I'm not a mind reader. I really don't know what he was trying, what he meant, but he basically said something. I paraphrase that was like, they always try to group us up with Brown folks saying black and Brown, black and Brown issues, black and Brown that he said, but really they don't F with us. Mm. And he generalized them, right? Right. But again, I had, I had to just retweet and be like, bro, you got so many like, you know, Mexican fans, Latino fans, like, you don't, I was just trying to kind of remind him, like, hey, bro, like, whatever, whatever little bubble you're in right now that's not allowing you to see how many people you're reaching, like, funny is funny. Yeah. That, that was my point. I just wanted to be encouraging. But somehow, some way, I don't know if these were bots, but, like, this portal of, I don't know if it was, like, I, I don't know what Pan-African is. Like, I don't know what. <laughs> Like, I don't know, I don't know what type of koofy. Oh, you done stepped on the Pan-African bot? <laughs> Bro, they just, 
they started sending me footnotes and references and screenshots of this person said this and this quote from this uh, Mexican-American uh, civil rights leader from the 60s, all this stuff. And I'm yeah. like, who are these people and what they got to do with me and what I'm saying? And they're just like, well, if they're racist, that makes the sum of the whole racist. And therefore, it was just like so contrived. Yeah. And I was I'm making my head hurt. Like, <laughs> you're not going to, that shit don't work on me. You're not going to just be like, you know, you're racist or y'all don't fuck with whatever. And it's yeah. like, any to ask any Texas black rapper, ask, I mean, Zero, I mean, Slim Thug, any Texas, Lil Kiki, any Texas rapper, what would your sales look like? What would your fan base, what would your concerts look like if all of a sudden, you know, Mexicans went away? They'd be mm -hmm. like, Nah, bro, they front row, center, VIP, buying the merch, uh, pre-order, they're there, you know. I got a counter-argument, though. Okay, go ahead. I got a counter-argument. White folks in the Deep South was lining up to watch niggas dance, watch niggas sing, but black folks wasn't allowed inside in the, in the, oh, in the yeah. audience, and they were still racist. They look at that nigga dance. That nigga could dance. So you can still <laughs> be racist and enjoy entertainment, Chingo. Yeah, no, no, I, you know, I'm not going to speak for every single uh, Mexican-American, but yeah. so, yeah, two two things can, two things can, uh, people can be prejudiced and shit, yeah. and also like rap music or whatever. I'm, I'm not going to say that's not the case, but, yeah. but uh, I, I get what I, you're saying, though. I, honestly, though, I feel like a lot of times, a lot of times it's, it's the immigrants uh, the immigrant Mexicans tend to be a little bit more close-minded than, let's say, a young Mexican American who probably yeah. says the probably says the N word, like probably like identifies damn near Rachel. What's it, Rachel Dolezal, or whatever? That's my yeah, boo. Uh, yeah, I heard, I heard, man. She got the the OF popping up. <laughs> but but a lot of times, man, a lot of the immigrant folk because for one, they don't even speak the language. You know, they depending on how long they've been here, they might have had a bad experience. And a lot of that is just from like ignorance and fear of just like, hey, I'm not from here and I can't even call the cops if some shit goes down. You know. Yeah. Now nah, it's very it's a very nuanced conversation. You know, sometimes I'm very um generalistic and say, yo, Hispanics don't fuck with us, but it's not true. Like you know, uh shout out to Francisco, shout out to Reaction PR. These are my my Latino homies and um they um they came out the hotel con they support heavy you know so you're absolutely right it's 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 also like the old guard even with the asians right it's like the asian kids that grew up here they like they love black people they love black culture it's their parents or their grandparents right and yeah. um, even like my dad my dad came on his channel once and he he says he says uh the only good white man is a dead white man <laughs> like <laughs> So it's that. Hey, hey, but you know what, too, though? Like, e even in the black community, sometimes there's friction with, like, you know, Caribbean folk oh, and African American. Like, I, le I learned that in high school, where, like, some of my friends' parents or, like, my some of my friends' moms would be like, you know, you know, them Jamaican kids, you know, don't think, you know, don't think they, they you know, they think they're better than you, you know, they'll, they'll tell. <laughs> Black friends that and I would sit there and witness that shit and they'd be like, damn, bro. <laughs> like y'all 
Y'all divided too? <laughs> Absolutely, it's true. You know, I'm my dad's from Jamaica, so you know we're very prideful people, and, and you know to call a spade a spade, we do think we better than everybody else. I ain't even gonna, you know, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. But I think this goes back to like, what is racism, right? Like, what is this really? When you have two people who uh, come from the same continent of Africa, but are divided because one is Jamaican and one is black American, right? But they can still be divided. And then African-American, you know, like Tariq Nasheed, he's like, oh, well, these Jamaicans and Haitians is coming here and they're still in our jobs. So he sound just like the white man complaining about the, the Mexicans. Hey, 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 but you know what too? This this applies around across the board because, I mean, probably my parents even, uh, and just a lot of like first gen. Uh, I guess I guess they're uh, it's I guess immigrants, right? A lot of Mexican and Latino immigrants. I'll just say Mexicans to be specific. A lot of Mexican immigrants really don't jive with like people that like Mexican Americans that been here five, six generations or whatever. Mm. Now they kind of call them like Chicanos. And, and basically what they say is they've been Americanized. They're lazy. They're spoiled. Like don't know how to do shit. Like they're not on a grind. Like it's, it's the immigrant faction fraction mm. faction that's opening up the little, you know, the little meat market and how we going to save up and, you know, let's start the, the landscaping company, the construction company, or, or, or my wife cleans, cleans houses and I paint houses and, you know, here's my card. Like that type of immigrant mentality, a lot of times they would try to like, uh, like tell their kids, like, don't be like them, you know, don't be like them Chicanos, you know, just get all lazy and got your hand out, want handouts and Americanize and don't know how to do shit. And, and you know what the biggest Greek tragedy is? Mm -hmm. Biggest tragedy is when you have like, you know, the grandfather was picking in the in, in uh, the fruit in South Texas, and you know he he saved up and he, you know he said he sent his daughter to U of H, you know University of Houston or somewhere, right? So so she could have her diploma and wear the little thing, and and then they come out woke, you know what I'm saying? They, they now they got all that debt, student loans. You basically ruined them. Like if you had them helping you. If working with you closely and understanding those values, but they, sh they 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 just get bamboozled. I mean, a lot of people do. Hell, I went to college and that shit felt like a huge waste. But that to me is what what tends to happen. That's the pattern I see. Where it's like, damn, you you sacrifice so much just to send this kid off, and then they ruin him. <laughs> Yo, I I cannot agree more because I think about how they call them elites, right? I would call them the ruling class. But the ruling class was created off of keeping um, the business in the family. So you have a lot of these immigrants, they'll create businesses, could be landscaping business, construction business, and the kid's like, I don't want to do that. I want to go and work in an office and a desk. And it's just like, do you realize that the ruling elite, as people call them, we're practicing nepotism and they sent the kids off to college to come back to help the family business, not to work for somebody else to yeah. learn things that they couldn't understand. But the kids still kept their core values, still kept that. So I hate that kids go off to college and look down on dad's business. But it's like dad's business is the reason why you was even able to go to college. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's part of the agenda, too, to separate the family 
And so you can't build a power structure that a battle. They don't want another powerful family popping up because if you stuck with the landscaping business and helped your dad with that business, he might be able to branch out into the next state. Next thing you know, you franchising. And now you guess what happens? Now you have real political power and that's what they don't want. Um, I'm gonna go into super chats here and then I'll let you get back to your busy life. Uh, Chad Lemoyne said the diversity clan will try <laughs> to, uh, lump your BS, uh, lump, lump your WBS. You don't fucks with, and then they'll splinter the same group. If it suits them, they just exploit. Yeah, that's so true. As I study socialism, um, I, I saw the, uh, socialist movement rising in Germany in my studies. And then they said one group got too big. So they divided them based upon like one tenant. Uh, Chad Lemoyne said, what's the best path to build independent? It's a question for you, Chango. What's the best path to building independent? Building like an, like a, uh, like your own lane, like being yeah. independent. Yeah. Well, you know what, man, I've been in show business for 20 years and, you know, just observing what, what rap a lot records did. And, you know, obviously the Bay area and, and, and hell, you know, master P no limit cash money. That was always part of my mindset and I try to apply that as much as possible just seeing like like Swisher House and DJ Screw selling mixtapes so being independent for me meant dropping off you know 24 CDs at like a Sam Goody on consignment and they might have only been paying me like I don't know six or seven dollars or something after it sold but they were making more money off me than they were off major label artists because they were having to pay, let's say universal, somebody at 10, 11, $12. Now they're making less margin. Mm -hmm. So by the time, by the time the record labels started calling and people were like, yo, who's the silly dude I saw on MTV? Like dude, P Diddy called a whole bunch of people. And, you know, I was trying to navigate everything at once, but thinking independently, I had to kind of like stick to my guns and and just constantly be firm on the fact that I wanted creative control. I wanted the intellectual property. I wanted to own my masters. And uh, a lot of times the people I was dealing with, they didn't even own their masters. So how were they going to give that to me? <laughs> and they, had, they had boutique labels. You know, their label was distributed by Arista or whatever. So I, so I say, one, you know, get inspiration from somebody who kind of has a blueprint, whether that's a Mexican restaurant that, that has a chain, now they're on their fourth location, or whether it's, you know, Rap a Lot Records or somebody. It's just kind of informing yourself, educating yourself so that you can have some kind of a, a strategy, a plan, so that you can have leverage. And then after that, you're just gambling on yourself. So there's no guarantees. You might have to go to plan B. You might fail. There's going to be ups and downs. But there's a huge reward calling your own shots, uh, you know, just like, for example, in comedy, a lot of times what's hot is the the independent type dude that just has a popping podcast, uh, a, a, a strong, consistent YouTube, like just good content on the Instagram, like they're, they're cranking it out versus Comedy Central presents. And it's something that's very, hey, edited, you can't say that. Can we see the script? We need to review that. Like, hey, what's this joke? And it's just very gratifying and it's just super worth it to um, figure out 
like, hey, man, you just got to have some control, have some say and kind of do it your way. And at the end of the day, you know, have faith that the fans are going to support the audience and your tribe is going to support that authenticity and the fact that you're doing it your way. Like, for example, you know, you you always grub <laughs> when y'all record on Thursday night. So it's kind of like, hey, if you know, you try that at a network, they might be like, hey, um, you know. Hotep Jesus, you think maybe you can, you know, in the green room where they're doing hair and makeup, you can kind of have your craft service and then we can promptly. And it's like, no, that's part of that's what it is. That's how they do it. And that's why we like it. Yeah. Yeah. I totally feel that. <laughs> uh, just a chick. She said uh, it's just weird. People no longer question everything and uh, are brainwashed to worship rulers. Indeed. Maximo Fines, thank you. He says, Hotel's been told you you're not alone. Chingo Bling, I battle this with my family. Latinos are conservative. Anybody with common sense, God, family, and to be left alone. Hotep and Bill. Shout out to Maximo. See, I, see we got, we, I got the Latinos over here too, Chingo. We out here, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been practicing my Spanish. I want to connect with my peoples. I went to, um, I was in Miami and, um, heavy hispanic population out there obviously and i was at the uh bitcoin conference and um uh, my camera guy is cuban shout out to my camera guy justin lopez and um you know uh i don't practice racism you know if i see somebody young trying to come up no matter what they race is i always try to like put them on game so it was just two latino kids they was like maybe 20 years old and I was just telling him like how to make it in America. You know what I'm saying? Do this, stack your chicken, invest, da 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 da. And he was like playing translator, and you know I was speaking my broken English, uh, my broken Spanish. You know, so I'm definitely about helping people, no matter who you are. I just want to see people win, man. Hey, hey, this is your Spanish, ready? Casamigos, Don Julio. <laughs> <Wow. laughs> you, you be on there like uh, Tito's, Reposado. <laughs> Yeah, I was racist, Chingo. <laughs> Sketch therapy. What up, bro? Um, he said, Y'all check out Chingo's links in the chat and Hotep Jesus' book. Hermano, gracias por hablar con los Hoteps. Word. Shout out to Sketch. Cash is Cam. He said, Checking in from Mosquito Fire in California. Hotep would die. Hotep would die. That's my, that's my bro, Cash is Cam, yo. Chingo. Um, Thank you for having this conversation with me. I love having conversations with um, other cultures and other ideologies because it rounds out my perspective. And because uh, otherwise I'm just assuming, you know, so um, I appreciate you, man. And all your links are in the description box below. So make sure y'all go check out Chingo Blaine. Go follow him. When's your next show? Uh, we're headed to Salt Lake City this Thursday. Then we do Vegas um, for the weekend. So, yeah, hit up the website or hit up the links. And, you know, if I'm in your town, come pull up. And I wrote with heavy hitter, funny comedians, man. Like, I have a hard time following them because I, I try to make the show the best as possible. But, yeah, man, thank you. No doubt. Make sure y'all go check out one of Chingo Bling's uh, comedy shows. And uh, Hotep and Bill, I'll see y'all for the next interview. We got Ian Crossland coming up. We got Jessica Vaughn coming. Count Dankula. Uh, John Fitch, the MMA fighter. I got some. I got some heavy hitters coming up, man. Uh, shout out Chingo Bling leading it off. I'll see y'all next time. For sure. Peace. You hear a lot of people say this, and I totally agree with it. They say, "Fail fast," and it's so true. But it also ties into the procrastination conversation. 
What, well, what is procrastination? Procrastination is nothing more than the delay of the gifts that God is ready to present us with. And we're saying, no, we're not ready for those. How about tomorrow? Because when you're on your path, you're doing what you need to do. You tend to be in alignment and the gifts come abundantly. So that's why we say, sometimes we say, hey, fail fast, because if you started the project last Monday, you would have found out that the piece that is missing takes a week to come in the mail, and now your whole project's been pushed back a week, you can't even start. But if you started on Monday, you knew, oh, I'm missing this piece, so to be here next Monday, and now you can begin working on your project. Fail fast ties into procrastination very quickly. Also, you have a lot of people that are afraid to fail. They're afraid to make mistakes. But you have to make mistakes. You have to fail. That's the only way you learn. That's the only way you gain experience. So I want people to fail. I want people to mess up. Don't be afraid of messing up. A lot of people want perfection straight out the gate. You know, you start a podcast or a show, and the first one, they want it to be perfect straight out the gate. That's not possible. Just go. Done is better than perfect. Fail fast.